WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week we're joined by the writer of Bad Ideas launch title ENIAC, along with Boom Studios Berserker, Dark Horse's Fear Case and Crimson Flower, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Matt Kint. Welcome, Matt. Uh, as, as I mentioned before uh, we started the call, I look forward to having to uh, disambiguate between uh, you and my co host for the uh, second time <laughs> in like three weeks. <laughs> Yeah, that's all these. You can call me Matthew if you want to. I've, I've started using that sometimes. Okay, good to know. <laughs> but it'd be weird. I don't know. <laughs> I might not recognize my name right away if you do. But who? Oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll start with the with the first time guest question. Uh, what comics do you remember reading when you first got into comics? The uh, comics I remember reading. So I remember reading. Um, G.I. Joe number one, I would I read till the cover fell off, and then um, and then Frank Miller's Daredevil post Elektra dying, like I just caught the tail end of it. It was like it was when he was still writing, and then I think Klaus was doing the art. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so that whatever those issues were, it was like after 181 around mm -hmm. that time, that ballpark. And then I ended up going back, going through uh, Mile High Comics and ordering all like the the old back issues so I could figure out like who's the lecture? Why did she die? Why is everybody so upset? <laughs> and uh so those are the first ones I remember reading and uh and then the cover I will say the cover I I read off of the G.I. Joe but that's not totally true because I used to read my comics in bed and then I would just fall asleep mm -hmm. with my comics there and then and then my brother my older brother who kept his comics in perfect condition would he always get mad at me because my comics are always messed up they're all bent and then, uh, and I'm pretty sure the cover came off because I slept on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that counts to me. I mean, you know, that that's that's a well loved book. <laughs> yeah, right. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Now, uh, you know, not to play Room Raider. Uh, I, I see you've got a spinner rack uh, right right next to you. Uh, just yeah. Curious, what's uh, where's some of the highlights in there? This is, you, this is what's left over. So my I probably had like 15 long boxes of comics mm -hmm. um, since I was a kid. I just collect saved everything and then as i got older um i got rid of some and then the rest most of my collection i was like hardcover bound mm -hmm. this hushin bindery does this great job of like taking your comics and binding them into hardcover books and so those are on the shelf in the other room nice like all or looking great and everything it looks like a law library they're all like black and gold <laughs> you know so people come in and they think i'm like oh boy this guy is really well educated and and uh a man of letters <laughs> and then you open it up and it's like john burns fantastic four run <laughs> um so this is uh leftover stuff that i didn't have enough of to make a complete book or like okay. extras if i had doubles but i don't know what's on there batman adventures i see new some front solo there original new frontier yeah solo We've got some jack kirby collector down here Ooh. and then uh some of these are i share a studio with my friend brian Brian Hurt of Six Gun fame. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's a mix of our stuff here. Creature Commandos is in here. What else? First Power Girl. Got some eight ball issues. Random eight ball issues. Chester Brown's in here. Doom. This one? This is, I bought that when it came out. That's so good. Yeah, Joe, this, do you remember this? This is like a, I think they, was this a reprint? I don't remember what this was. Anyway, I just love the cover. Yeah. What else? This, uh, remember, I remember having this oh. and then being in line for the movie 
and my brother and I shared it, right? And so he's kind of looking at it, but he would only look to halfway because he knew there was some kind of something. And I wouldn't look at it at all. I was like, I don't even want to see it. We're going to see the movie today, and I'll look at it later. And so I just remember that. Which version of Yoda is in there? Because I know that there were different printings that have different, like there was a one that had a blue Yoda because they weren't sure of what the final coloration was going to be when it was colored. So funny. I don't even know. I didn't. Yeah, he looks. <laughs> okay, so it's it's That's so funny. He's still pretty green. Yeah. The drawing's hilarious. I like it. Yoda's hard to draw. I just drew the baby, uh, the Grogu. I drew him a couple days ago, and he's hard to draw. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So there's a little there's a little spin around the spin rack. What else? Eternals. Uh, some great Alpha Flight. Old Fantastic Four. Just old stuff. Nice. Keep random. the classics close at hand. That's good stuff. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're recording this uh, a couple days before both ENIAC and Berserker launch, uh, both of which are, are big titles uh, in different ways. Uh, ENIAC is the maiden comic for Bad Idea, uh, which is, is finally hitting comic shops after a year of, of, of build-up and, and button-pushing, so much button-pushing. Uh, and then Berserker, uh, you know, uh, is, is co-credited to some extent uh, to, to Keanu, so there's a lot of eyes on that. So uh, no pressure this week, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's funny. As, uh, I hired my, um, my niece. She's going to graduate school, and so I hired her to start help, help me on, like, organizing and just keeping my stuff together and going through emails and, and organizing everything and she Friday she's like you know next Wednesday you have three books coming out on the same day I was like what <laughs> like I don't what's so funny is like I'm so busy like working and writing and everything I don't I don't the, I don't know the tail end as much like I don't mm-hmm. know when books are coming out till closer to the time and then um, yeah the weird confluence of events to make those come out at the same time like I have been working on those. It's not like I wrote them all at the same time. Like, right, yeah. Like, so staggered. And it's just like, it's so random how they end up coming out. But um, yeah, anyway, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, so yeah, I guess we, let's, let, we'll start with ENIAC. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of just run down the summary for the, the listeners uh, benefit. Uh, at the height of World War II, the world's greatest minds began a race to create a super weapon capable of ending the war. Uh, one of those projects gave us the end bomb, and the other produced uh, the world's first supercomputer, ENIAC, built to target the Atlas war, uh, Axis war machine by computing the uh, immeasurably complex math behind missile trajectories, weather patterns, etc. Uh, on August 645, the U.S. drops the bomb on Hiroshima. Three days later, the second bomb is dropped on Nagasaki. Only uh, in in this book, Truman didn't give that order. That was ENIAC, uh, and so the Allies realize that they've built a uh, a machine monster. Effectively, uh, seventy five years later, uh, an encrypted countdown uh, is revealed, uh, buried by ENIAC. In uh, mankind has three days left before ENIAC launches every weapon in the planet's nuclear arsenal simultaneously. Uh, so then there's a set, couple of special agents who are set out about uh, finding ENIAC and destroying it. So uh, to start, you know, was this was this an idea that you'd had uh, kicking around in search of a home, or was this something that you had come up with uh, specifically as as you know D- Dinesh and the Bad Idea guys were were looking for some launch titles? Yeah, I uh, I had a meeting with the guys like a couple years ago, a few years ago when we were first starting about talking about Bad Idea and mm-hmm. and launching a company and everything, and uh, and then when I that first meeting. I came with 
uh, I just basically took all all of my ideas. Like I just have tons of ideas, and I keep adding to this document, you know. And so I came I came to that first meeting with like 45 ideas. I was like, here's 45 ideas. I don't know. And then what I do, the way I work is I I just you don't know when you're gonna get an idea, so I just keep a master list of ideas, and and I'm, it, that makes it sound like I'm organized, which I'm not. So like I'll <laughs> I'll think of something, write it on a post-it, or I'll use my notes on my phone and put something down. And then every every couple of months or so, I'll go through everything I've got, look at my phone, go through all the documents on my computer, and then uh, type all of that up into into one big document or throw documents into a folder just so they're kind of in one spot. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, when we had that meeting, I was like, here's some of the stuff was like ideas I'd had for a few years and just hadn't been able to get to, mm -hmm. and some I just had, and then you know what I mean. It's just like it's like my lifetime of ideas, like all of it from yesterday until like three or four years ago you know and then eventually you'll some of my ideas will just drop off bro like that's dumb you know i haven't done it for if i haven't done that idea in five years then there's probably a reason why <laughs> you know and so yeah we had those initial meetings and we just and uh we just went through every single one of them and sort of talked about it and like what was i thinking what do you think what do you think and then and then just to, to try to see what uh was good or what was exciting and what would fit with the marketing plan, not the marketing, but the publishing plan. Um, and then what they liked. And then, um, and then from there, we like called that down to like maybe 10 or 15 ideas um, initially uh, that were like these, let's do these, you know, and then it's a matter of like, well, which ones do we do first and what do you want to do and what makes sense with publishing and like what a, what's the first book going to be like, that's a big deal. And so mm. went through these layers of filters as we figured out, you know, what to do. Um, and then ENIAC was one of those. And I don't remember when I got that idea, but it, it was one, it had, wasn't even fully formed. It was, it was almost like a note to myself, like ENIAC, because ENIAC is a real thing. Like if you Wikipedia, it's a, it's a real thing that, that existed and they built this. And, uh, and I remember reading about it because I'm obsessed with like World War II history. Um, and so it was one of those things I'm like, ooh, I, that sounds like it do something and I love. AI and uh, and science fiction. And I was like, oh, maybe that could be something, you know? What if this, we do like the crazy computer that goes nuts or whatever. Um, and that was basically all it was. And then when they uh, picked that one, they wanted me to develop, then I started thinking about more and then building it up to the thing you read, which by the way, thank you for not asking me to what the whole plot is and have me tell it. I'd rather you just read that thing and then and people kind of know. Over the years, we used to ask the creators for the elevator pitch and then we realized, wait, we have solicitations. That's yeah. probably easy. And, the, and I'm the worst at, uh, I'm not a good elevator pitcher, you know, I'm, I'm a good, like, uh, if you're in a, if we're on a six hour car drive or whatever, I'll pitch it to you. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about it. But elevator, I don't do elevators. <laughs> Long car rides, got it. <laughs> um, so what was it about your experience with working, uh, you know, with all these folks at uh, Valiant, uh, you know, Dinesh Warren, et cetera, uh, that made you want to, you know, follow them into this uh, new venture with, with your long list of ideas? <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, at the end of the day, it's just good relationships, you know, and getting along with someone and, and sort of developing a rapport and like my time at Valiant and working with Warren and Dinesh, it was, um, it was unique, you know, like it's, it's not very often you run into people that, that don't, um, that are good collaborators and they, 
they bring something to the table that that is their specialty you know it's like warren is so good at at story and and uh structure and uh character um and then dinesh is is just a master at, at publishing and like look at how bad ideas launching i'm like oh my god he's doing all this crazy stuff that i i love mm-hmm. and doing it in such a weird way which i really uh, i'm excited about like if, if i could do if i couldn't draw or write i would want to be doing his what he's doing so like i get to live vicariously through all the crazy stuff he's doing so like i know at valiant we did the same thing and i would have a direct line to dinesh and i was like hey what if we do this like we the the 4000 AD launch and we had all these crazy ideas and there was the, the time capsule stuff and like and like he was always open to like whatever idea would occur to me I could run it by him you know and if he could make it work he would make it work I'm like oh my god you <laughs> it's not it's one thing to have a crazy idea and talk about it. it's another thing to have the crazy idea and talk about it and then someone has the resources and the ability to carry it out mm-hmm. you know and so and so I love that you know that I it's not just I'm not just a scripting these pages or whatever i'm just i get to be involved in every part of it you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i love the guys at valiant and then uh and then when they moved on i was kind of bummed out but then they they approached me and they're like hey we're doing this and i was like oh good because i (laughs) that working relationship was so much fun you know Mm -hmm. that uh it's just if you can find that you keep it certainly um you know and i you know i know they were supposed to launch last year and then obviously you know pandemic uh you know nothing anybody could yeah. have accounted for but it, it gave them another year to come up with a lot of the sort of crazy guerrilla marketing ideas that you know we we've seen so you know there was the button there was uh bagley boardsman at comics pro there was the tankers trailer for venditti's book which was ridiculous and i was just yeah. talking to matt about uh, a couple weeks ago um you know what what's you know, clearly, you know, you had a relationship with those guys, you knew what you were in for when you signed on, you know, is there anything that they've approached you with in like the last year and change that particularly surprised you? Everything, all the stuff, the the little trailers and the button and the, and a lot of the weird videos they're having me record and stuff. Uh, (laughs) Like a lot of it you haven't seen yet because it's been in the works so long and I've been working on some different weird things. Um, But yeah, I, I, uh, all of it. I, I love the like the ash can thing they did for um, Hero Trade, and mm-hmm. and here's the thing I like. It. All that stuff to me is like that's like the it's like the sugar coating. It's the stuff on top, like all the marketing and all the, the fun little things. Mm-hmm. What I like is that with the Hero Trade and like with ENIAC, and just like from a creator's point of view, like when I'm writing the issues or writing the story, um, I finished ENIAC number one when I was done. It was probably like, uh, I think even the art was, the art was done or halfway done, whatever it was, it was almost done. And then I called Warren, I was like, Warren, we need, we need five more pages like that. It can't open the way it opens. We need a five page like intro that has this other thing. And, and, uh, and he, uh, at the time he's like, oh, I don't know. And like the art's already on the way. And then like the next day he's like, hey, we need that five pages. Let's send me that script for the five page intro that we need. And I was like, I was like, that's the kind of stuff that's crazy. You could never do with like a normal publisher and just being able to add pages like that or and like the hero trade, the way they're, um, they're inserting those in some of the books and like the backup stories and everything and how they're formatting. 
it's just like uh I just love it. It's making me excited. Like if I was just buy a buyer of comics still, I was I would be so excited because you know you got Dave Lapham in the back of 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 these books. I'm like, what? That's the backup story. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I would buy it for that. You know, it, to me it feels like uh, what I would buy. Like back in back in the day, Dark Horse Presents they were serializing Sin City, and it was just like three or four pages of Sin City. I would buy the whole thing because I'm like, I, that's I got to see those pages. <laughs> So I love that they're putting stuff in there like that and like making it exciting to, to buy single issues because especially now it's like, I think most people just wait for the trade except for hardcore collectors and, mm-hmm. and just getting people to, in, back in the habit of going into the shop every week and getting excited to, to show up um, to support those books is, is uh, fun. It's fun to be a part of. Absolutely. You know, uh... I, I'll never forget the, I don't remember what they called it. My head was always the Valiant Mobile, when the the car that would drive around. And at one time, stopped at the store where I was working, and we all got to have photos taken holding the the war axe of the Eternal Warrior. I have that yeah, photo yeah. of me somewhere. No, that was Probably. awesome, wasn't it? I think was it they put Unity right the the team on the car. I was so excited because yep. I, like, I wrote that's the book I wrote. It's on the <laughs> car. And uh, yeah, it was super fun. But, uh, (laughs) good times. That's what I I love. I love being a part of that team that does that stuff, you know, and like stuff they're doing this year is super crazy. And, uh, did you see the, did you see the video that Dinesh, the, of, uh, Pee Wee Herman that he sent, he tweeted out, he got Pee Wee Herman to like congratulate us, me and Keanu and everything on the Berserker book. I, I, I'd seen like headlines for it. I didn't click through and, and I didn't uh, realize that was uh, that was Dinesh's doing with his yeah, uh, he, deep, deep cameo budget. He, his ca- I don't want to know what he how much he spends on cameo, but he I remember um, I got one for my daughter for her because he got me onto it. I was like, I didn't know what that was. And then he's like showing me all these. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. And then I got one for my daughter for her birthday last year. Because um, she's a big fan of the show Psych. I don't know if you watched the TV show. Like, anyway, uh, Corbin Bernson was on Cameo, and I was like, "I'm gonna, we're gonna get him to wish her happy birthday on her birthday." And I, I wrote him like a little script with like some Psych type lines and everything, and it was so great. And I was texting Dinesh, and I sent him that one. I was like, "Look what I got!" And I was like, "And I was like, Pee Wee Herman's on there right now, but my wife won't let me uh, waste the money on it." <laughs> and I was like, "I love Pee Wee Herman." And uh, anyway, I don't, I, I didn't have any idea that he was going to do something like that. And then, and then, uh, so it totally surprised me. <laughs> it's like a year later. Well, this year, uh, Dulé Hill just joined Cameo. So you might have he, your daughter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was looking for a friend of ours for a present. It was like a little rich for my blood, but they're huge psych fans. And he appeared in a show at the theater that I work at now. The play closed the day before I started working there. Like, I had brought a DVD. This would be the best Christmas present for them. And I got there, and it's like, oh, crap, it closed yesterday. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Yeah, no, that's good because her birthday's coming up. So that might be a good companion piece. Yeah. She can't, wa- hopefully, she doesn't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, just audio, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, memory erase. But um, Matt uh, Lazowitz, we are going to visit this, revisit this uh, axe photo of you that exists. <laughs> I will. I, I'm sure I have it somewhere. 
<laughs> Behind um, the counter at Dewey's with the axe. <laughs> yeah, that, I need to see that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, curious in, in terms of, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, ENIAC and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of dating to World War II. Um, just kind of brushing up on it real quick. It sounds like the real thing, uh, obviously, uh, you know, much less sexy, but uh, it was, it was like, oh yeah, it was like broken every other day and they had to keep ordering new like tubes and parts for it. I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like a ride at great adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's cool. What's great about those original computers are so lo-fi, right? Like it's punch cards and like it's running on this, this really like basic uh, stuff. So it, it was, to me, that's interesting. I love technology like that. We can actually see it working or how it's working and it's very like analog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it's a, uh, I discovered this other thing I was reading. I was reading some, a Neil Stevenson book and I can't remember which one, but he was talking about this thing called, um, gosh, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it. It's in the book though. Mm-hmm. Issue two, I think it shows up, but um, it's something cord memory where, and they u- actually use this for the, one of the Apollo missions where they, where the, they had actually, they had, they hired women to sew these little knots into rope in these little tiny pieces of rope and then somehow it would run through the thing and then the knots would be is the code so it's like the code was in these these ropes that was inside basically rocket technology and that's in a it was so analog like i was like that's amazing i can't believe it so in issue two or three mild spoiler or whatever but there's like a there's like a virus or like a thing that they they're going to try to use to combat ENIAC, you know, and it's this basic analog thing that's that's also real. Like you'd be surprised how much real technology is in ENIAC. That just kind of t- turned it up a little bit, so, so it's crazier. But, um, but yeah, there's no ENIAC's not gonna. He doesn't burn out in issue two because his tubes broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, so uh, we got a, a relevant Twitter question uh, for, for this book. Uh, Asimov Fangirl, AKA the loyalist content consumer asks, uh, which are your favorite AI slash fictional computers from uh, books, TV, comics, uh, etc." Oh my gosh. Boy, that's a tough question. My shelf, bookshelf is out there too. I'm a huge Asimov fan. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, like all the iRobot stuff and then uh, Hal, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Boy, I'm trying to think of, I just, is it the iRobot? Yeah, it's iRobot. Was it's where it was just like short stories where it's AI technology that they programmed, and it's like every story was like a way that it failed, or how how you try to program it with all these fail safes, and then something always goes wrong because of some crazy human interaction that happened, or a thing that it couldn't you couldn't anticipate the programming mm-hmm. uh, how it would react to a human situation. Um, and I think so. I think the iRobot stuff was like my favorite, not the movie, but like the the stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, what what it's great about that, I just am fascinated by that. I read an article where um, they were talking about automated cars and how eventually there's going to be uh, you're going to have to program it with some kind of morality because you whose life is more important? Like it's going to have to make a choice between like do I hit that person that's walking across the street? um to save the occupant of the car's life or do i or do i crash the car with the person in it to save the person who's walking in the street 
like there's a situation it's an irobot scenario where where like the robot is going to have to decide whose life is uh gets saved <laughs> it's like yeah. the trolley problem i was just <laughs> thinking that <laughs> exactly like that right so but who's, but a human is going to have to program what happens there you know and uh i'm just i'm fascinated by that because it's 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 where technology and morality really have that friction you know and i think that's that's what's in, that's what's in eniac the book like that's the fun mm-hmm. we had is like is like dealing with that you know and, and then this idea of a an art of i mean that's ultimately the question is like artificial intelligence is it is it can it become self-aware is it sentient does it have feelings and then does it have rights you know i think that's all that stuff is really interesting things to explore and uh and we explore it <laughs> There you go. Um, but yeah, so this isn't the only thing that you've got cooking for a uh, bad idea. You've also got these two, uh, you know, quirky stories come, coming down the pipe. They'll be sharing the same book uh, space, uh, Whalesville with Adam Polina and Rocks and Minerals with Tony Millionaire. Uh, yeah. the, the former is about a civilization that lives in the whale belly of a whale. And the other is about a group of sentient rocks that befriend a turtle after most organic life has been wiped out. Um, the the solicit materials uh, say you're with with Walesville you're going for kind of a Miyazaki vibe. Um, is it is this like your 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 uh, kind of Wu Tang is for the children moment? Uh, you know, kind of reaching into uh, you know these kind of quirky all ages uh, stories. Yeah, you know, I um, a few years ago I did a book I did a kids book with my friend Brian called Poppy. We it was an all ages book and we had so much fun on that. I was and I so I went through this phase of like. I want to do more all ages book. I got a daughter. I want her to read the books I'm doing, you know, like in a, in a berserker is a little too violent, even though she read, we'll talk about it later. She read it. <laughs> She's 17. <laughs> She's old enough. It's R rated. But, uh, but yeah, with, with those books, I, it was, I was going through this phase where I was just trying to come up with a bunch of like young adult sort of like kid stories. And I had so much trouble doing it because I, I feel like the problem, uh, a, a problem you can run into or I run into doing like kids stories or kids for young adults is that you end up kind of dumbing it down and sort of making it like, Oh, well, you can't do, there's so many things you can't do and it can't be that complex and you can't deal with a lot of these bigger or heavier issues. Um, but then when I, by doing a bunch of ideas like that, I started to realize I was like, Oh no, that's just me. That's me getting in the way or whatever. But you, you uh, like, kids can handle it and kids can understand things and, and you can hit those deep subjects. Um, you just, you know what I mean? You don't use bad words. That's really the only difference between like those books and any other book I've done is maybe there's not, the, the language isn't as bad, you know, and maybe they're animals, you know, instead of people um, or they're rocks instead of animals. <laughs> uh, but those stories are the themes and the stories and the characters and and like what's going on in are, are as much for adults as kids you know it's it's just the there's that weird candy coating on it that's like oh this kids will want to pick it up because maybe it looks a little cooler and adam's art is amazing and tony millionaire of course is a legend um so it's like those kids will probably be more attracted to those kinds of books because of the art style mm-hmm. um but the story they get is it's going to be like there's environmental things in there and then with Walesville especially it's a it made me like it made me feel an emotion when I was done <laughs> and I don't I know I'm writing it so it's, I, uh, some, 
but I don't always feel that right. And and uh, and uh, and I was reading it, and then when you see it with all the art and everything, it's like, oh, it was one of those books where um, I didn't really really know what it was about until it was done, you know. And then when I was talking to Warren about it, he's like, oh yeah, it's about it's about this, you know. It's really this is what it is. It's uh, this is what it's about. And I was like, oh no, that's not it. <laughs> it's about this. <laughs> And then I had my wife read it, and she's like, this is what it's about. There's like three different ways you can interpret that book, you know, and three different things that it can be about, and they're all equally valid. And like, I, one of them I, I kind of intended, um, and that's what I thought it was about. And then I thought it was about another, that's really about another thing altogether. And I'm, I'm trying not to spoil anything, because I don't want people to, to know going in what I think it is. I'd rather read it, and then depending on where you're at in your life, like if you're 10 years old, you're going to get something else out of it. <laughs> when you're 10 years old, you're going to be like, oh, this is a great story about these fish and this kid is stuck in a whale and then he's, and they kind of help him escape and everything. Um, and then his dad, who's kind of scary, and uh, but then they have uh, whatever, they reconcile at the end. Like that's what a kid's going to get out of it maybe. Mm-hmm. And then, but you'll get something else and I'll get something else out of it. Anyway, and then Tony Millionaire, what the heck? <laughs> I've been such a huge fan of his. I told Warren, like, I can, Warren is my, my, uh, I own a life debt at this point for the (laughs) artist that he's gotten me to work with. Um, And Tony's just one of those where I wrote this and I, uh, I was lucky enough to know that he was, I think he was going to do it when I was writing it. So I was writing it for him, you know, with him in mind and like trying to come up with, tap into like his humor and like, and things I think he likes to draw, like, I put an old shipwreck in there. I was like stuff I wanted to see him draw. You know, it was it was like a fan writing for for him. It was kind of embarrassing, um, but he. Uh, but no, it was great. And then even in the script, I was like, hey, if you have a better idea, funnier idea, anything, always always do it. Don't think, don't let me dictate. You know, because I think he's just like a he's an artistic genius. You know, as far as like comedy and timing and art and um, and uh, yeah, he. I remember I was driving home one night and then uh, he called me up and I was like, I was like, oh my God, it's telling million millionaire on the phone. I was like, do I pick this up? <laughs> and so I picked it up and we had this really long conversation about everything, you know, and he, he was really great and what a pleasure to work with. <laughs> Sometimes you can meet your heroes, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's always a little nervous, right? Like, I don't want to, I love Tony, but, but I didn't, Anytime you meet somebody like that who you really are just a big fan of, you don't want to have a bad experience. And then you kind of I'm like, oh, no, maybe I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, if anything, I love Sock Monkey even more, if it's possible. <laughs> That's definitely good to know. Um, yeah, so uh, let's, let's, let's move on to uh, Berserker. Uh, my dear co-host, I, I feel like uh, this, this solicit text is duly suited to your haunting pipe, so I'll let you uh, do it. <laughs> The man known only as Berserker is half mortal and half god, cursed and compelled to violence, even at the sacrifice of his sanity. But after wandering the world for centuries, Berserker may have finally found a refuge, working for the U.S. government to fight the battles too violent and too dangerous for anyone else. In exchange, Berserker will be granted the one thing he desires, the truth about his endless, blood-soaked existence, and how to end it. 
Oh, I've got chills. <laughs> cool, I'd read that. <laughs> that whole thing is full of half truths. Like that's just the setup. <laughs> a good solicit doesn't give away everything. Yeah, yeah. True, true. Uh, so yeah, uh, we uh, we read the uh, the first issue ahead of its release. Uh, this what will have been this past week by the time this airs. But uh, man, god damn, it is brutal. Uh, and, and to be clear, that is a compliment uh, to, to you and the art team, uh, Ron Garney and Bill Crabtree. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh, there's, I wrote down here, there's so much military green and viscera red, it's like a John Wick Christmas tree. Uh, <laughs> um, Happy know, holidays. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, so I, I am curious, you know, based on all that, you know, what, what the notes were like on a, either between you and, and Ron and Bill or, or editorial and, and all of y'all, you know, who was, who was the most likely to say, we need more faces caving in more. Who do you think, who do you think asked for that? More. <laughs> it wasn't me and it wasn't Ron. Okay. You know, what's funny is like we, when we were plotting it out, you know, we, we started big picture, right? It's like, okay, 12 issues. And then we started try to break it down it's like okay well what let's do four issue arcs so we have three four issue arcs and then within those arcs you know you just start to slowly build it up and fill it in and everything and then i remember outlining the first issue and in the first issue it was like let's do a big first issue right because mm-hmm. it's issue one we want to make it really bad and then uh and then i blocked out the outline i was like okay because um, we plotted it the way we work is we plot everything together and then we and then Keanu and I will will uh we'll just talk about scenes and it's like oh this scene and then we'll have a fight here and then we're like let's let's open with a big fight so like in the outline I was just like big fight you know ten pages whatever it is twelve pages <laughs> I was like we'll figure we'll figure that out you know that that'll be the fun part and then, and so we do that and then we get all the character stuff and the dialogue going in, in the second half and then uh so then I I I wrote a first draft which is just uh, not the full script, but it's just like an outline of all the action that's happening, right? So the first, that first, the first big action scene, which is just like one after the other after the other. Um, I wrote it, and then, um, and then County was like, he's like, more, more, we need more, <laughs> not enough. And I was like, okay. And he's like, he's like, we need that fist going through the guy, and we do. And I was like, well, what about what if he breaks his rib out? And then what if he? Like, and then he, I don't know what he brought out in me, but I was like, I, uh, it's just, uh, it was inspiring, you know? And so we just spun it out and then, and then, and then thought of like the craziest stuff we could think of to put it in that first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wrote it and then, uh, we gave it to Ron and then Ron, the, Ron's pencils, the first round of pencils, it was like, not, not, uh, not enough detail. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we can't, you can't see the brains at all on this panel. <laughs> uh, so, and then, uh, but he did, to Ron's credit, he nailed most of it. We, it, mostly it was just like, a little bit more guts, a little more, we can't really, you know, we really want to see that rib. <laughs> um, uh, so it really was just like turning it up as, as loud as possible, just because we wanted it to be like a shock. You know, you want it, it like the, um, like one of our touchstones is like Jeff Darrow's uh, Hard Boiled, you know, it's like nothing will ever beat that, you know, but it's like, how do you get close and how do we, how can we tap into some of that feeling um, to sort of tie to the character and the story and everything. And then, uh, so we did. And then um, my daughter read it last week and I was like, oh, 
I was like, what do you think? She's 17. Uh-huh. And, uh, she's like, what? I was like, what do you think of it? And um, she's like, it was really good. She's like, my favorite part. And I was like, what, what's your favorite part? My favorite part is when is that guy's jaw got punched off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Who raised you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was secretly kind of, I was proud and ashamed at the same time. I don't know what that, I don't know what that feeling is. <laughs> There's there's a word for it in some language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but it was good. And Ron drew that panel really good. I was, we are working on commentary. We're gonna, I guess there's gonna be a deluxe something. Whether they're, they're gonna do commentary where we talk about the pages. And I was looking at that page again, and like, mm-hmm. it's just really well drawn. You know, it's just, it doesn't work unless it's as drawn as well as it is. <laughs> Certainly. Um, how how involved was uh, was Keanu? He's so hands-on, I can't tell you. Like I, when I first got asked to do it and I went in for the first meeting, I, I was apprehensive, you know, because I, I know other creators who've been involved in things similar where it's like you have a movie star or somebody come in and then, and then they're doing all the work and then they're just the star, whoever it is, is putting their name on it for like, mm-hmm. a, like a vehicle for a movie or whatever it is. And so I, I didn't think it was that because I didn't think boom, would ask me to be a part of something like that because I know I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> and like, I was very, up, I was up front too. I was like, hey, I don't want to, unless we're making a really good comic and like everybody's in, like if I'm just the person that has to do the, all the grunt work or whatever, I don't really, I, I'm already work. I'm busy too, you know, I got a lot of work. <laughs> so, sure. Um, but I went in and then Keanu uh, pitched the whole story to me, you know, like the big picture and who the character is. And he was super animated and really excited about it. And, uh, and I was like, oh, this is, he had a nice little twist on it, like how he gets his power, where he comes from, and like what that character is about, which is what intrigued me. I was like, oh, okay, that's, because I tried to work on like vampire stories in the past or like the immortal, the immortal or eternal warrior at Valiant. I, mm-hmm. I was always trying to think of ideas for that. I had a good one, but um, Rob and Diddy got to write it instead of me. So. <laughs> no bad blood, no bad blood. He he gets tankers. That's <laughs> fine. Um, but uh, anyway, so he he was so into it, you know, that it was kind of infectious, like how excited he was. And then, so we just spent like the first meeting. We had the first meeting just to see if it was going to work, you know. And then I came back, uh, flew back out to LA, and then we had another couple days where the meetings where we just then just broke down the whole thing, the whole plot, all the characters, and started really digging in on the story and he it was like two, two really long days it was full of days it was like morning to tonight you know we just worked 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 getting it done and then and then i went out there a few more times like because he's always working he's always filming and and he's probably the hardest working person i know and uh so like we would carve out time and where we sit and now we zoom maybe once or twice a week you know, for a few hours and then and then work on the next, keep pushing the outline forward. And so he's he's literally involved in every step and every scene. And we're we're we basically plot it out together, just like we're talking spitballing and plot it out together. I'll write up like a little outline of everything we talked about. Um and then shoot that to him and then we'll go over that and then we just keep doing that. Like we'll just keep polishing the outline until we have it and we'll come up with dialogue together. And then he'll act some of it out, and then I'll write. He'll come up with lines. I'll type those down, and and then uh, 
he'll read some of my lines and I'm like, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you know, and then, and so it really is like, it's as hands-on as you could possibly imagine. Like I, at this point, I feel like we're, we literally are co-writing it and then I'm, and then I'm formatting it so that Ron gets a script that he's used to, sure. to reading, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's super fun. I can't tell you how much fun. Oh, that, that, that's awesome. That's definitely good to hear. Um, you know, this is this has become a pretty high profile comic. You know, I think I read today there were like, you know, 600,000 copies ordered, which is like nuts for, you know, comics these days. And, and yeah. you know, the Kickstarter for the collected editions obviously uh, did very well. You know, is, is that stuff that, you know, you think about when you're working on the book or or is it, you know, more of like, you know, hey, at the end of the day, a gig's a gig. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I don't. I just feel like I have my head down at work all the time. So like all the extraneous stuff, mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't really, it doesn't get to me or I don't feel it or hear it, you know, and it's, it's like, a, and then like I'll skim reviews just to make sure, or I'll read a review sometimes if there's, if we put like an Easter egg or we put something that I think is clever in there that people want to pick up on, I'll read reviews to see if, uh, see if it's playing, like if people are getting it or if it's, mm -hmm. or if it's too obscure or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I, or at least I didn't until I was talking to Keanu last week and he's like, or when the numbers came in, I've talked to him mm -hmm. and he's like, like, oh man, the pressure's really on now. And I was like, pressure? <laughs> I, wasn't, I hadn't really thought about it. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean pressure? <laughs> I was like, the first four issues we are fully done and scripted and, and done. And now we're, we're out. I'm writing issue five. We're typing it up now and we're, and we're working on the outline for those and uh i was like it's it's done we did it <laughs> and people will like it you know it's like i i don't know i just, i think that if you just put everything you got into it and make it as good as you can like um people will respond to some things and not others and there's nothing i can no, nothing i can do about it <laughs> let's try my best but uh yeah nothing to me it's like it's not just nothing is just a gig like like I love comics. I've been doing it 20 years. Like there's, there's plenty of other ways to make money that's easier and less stressful and uh, less work, less hours in a day, you know? And it's like, I don't care to do those things. Cause I, whatever reason got hooked on comics when I'm like seven years old. And, and uh, I just, I'm obsessed with making them. Mm. So you mentioned the Eternal Warrior a minute ago, and when I was reading Berserker, it just—I had to ask the hard question: Who wins in a fight, Berserker or Giladonipata, or do they meet on a battlefield, you know, clasp hands, and then just wipe out everybody around them? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they would even fight, or if they would just be like compare notes. You know, it's like, yeah, how was your? How was your uh, 14th century? <laughs> where, where were you during the Black Death? You know, what, how'd you do? <laughs> I think that they probably would just talk, you know? I, I actually love that. You know, people go into the book expecting it to be this battlefield. This two of them at a coffee shop just chatting for yeah, right? 42 <laughs> I would, pages. I would totally do that. I would totally do that. I would read that book. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be good, too. They'd probably talk about coffee. <laughs> And they probably both have beef with Armstrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be that guy. That'd be the guy that let's go get him. 
would read um, that book too. <laughs> uh, as a, as a gift to my co-host, what what was that Eternal Warrior story that uh, you ended up not being uh, able to write? Boy, I'll have to remember. I don't remember the actual plot. I just remember I had details. It was more of like a. I think I had it set in the year four thousand. So Eternal Warrior was really he was really really old, and uh, and um. And I just remember one of the details, which here's what's funny is like one of the details I had thought about then is like this idea that like his body wears down over time, like it's eternal, but like after a while, like his hands and like he would have been in so many fights that's like he's just constantly kind of oozing blood all the time. So you'd have all these wraps all over. Um, and a little bit snuck into the Berserker, that idea of like, of like repeated use, you know, like even though you're eternal and it keeps going back. Um, this idea of abusing your body in the same way in the same spots over and over again would would give you sort of like not scars but like these these sort of injuries that never fully heal and uh, so it was like I was kind of intrigued by that idea and the idea of like inhabiting this body that has seen all this damage you know and and then like what's your relationship this so this is no plot stuff this is just ideas of like mm -hmm. the psychology of it you know like what's your relationship to pain at that point you know do you you feel it right but it's like does it matter and and do you mind it and uh i don't know it's the psychology of it all and that's why berserker to me is like totally scratching that itch because we're it's it's literally like 50 percent he freaks out and then like there's tons of violence and then 50 percent him like the psychology of like what it's like to be that you know very cool um so Eniac and Berserker at varying points got, got you know, pushed back for varying reasons uh, and to varying degrees, obviously. Eniac was like a whole year. Um, do, you get, do you tend to get antsy when you know a book exists and you put it to bed like months ago and you're just like dying to unleash it on the world? Or, or you know, are you so far ahead on like the next thing that, you know, you, you almost, you know, you forget to notice when it comes out sometimes? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, what's weird is like, to me, the, the love of the comic and like the the act of like writing and creating creating it like once I've written it, it's almost like it disappears. But like once I've turned in the script, um, there's a stage where I, like I completely forget about it, and then the art will come in, and then the lettering with the art, and then when I read it that time, and then the final time I go through it, like with Warren or whoever, um, after that last time I read it with the lettering. Um, I don't ever look at it again. Like it doesn't, I don't think about it and I don't, uh, like it's, to me, the excitement, it's all happened already. Like as soon as the final art comes in, um, and even the last pass when I'm looking at the letters and stuff, I, it's like, I'm at that point, I'm just making sure there's no mistakes, you know? And so by then it's like the, all of the, the best part is done with. <laughs> and so that when the book comes out, it's like, it's in a way it's almost, it's, it's fun in a way because then I'm, I get to remember it or I get reminded of it. When people ask questions or read it and respond to it, I'm like, oh yeah. And it's, I get made fun of all the time. My Warren's always like, you don't remember anything. I was like, I know because when it's when it's out of me, then there's no reason to have it in, have it right. Like it's to me, it's just done. So I forget about it. Um, so I, I'll remember parts of my books, but I don't remember much because it just. There's not enough, there's too many ideas floating around for me to keep the old ones in there. I gotta like flush those out so the new ones can go. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
when you're when you're working with an artist for the first time uh you know let you know we say ron for example you know what what are some things that you do to kind of create that groove that you know you you clearly have by now with somebody like doug brathwaite or or tyler jenkins that you know you've worked with on like two or three or more books by this point yeah you know it's it's definitely something that evolves you know and so like the issue one script for an artist I've never really worked with before. Um, hopefully there's been a conversation in real life before then or mm -hmm. around the same time um, or like uh, I'll turn it in and then have the conversation so that like we know you can put a human face to the thing. Um, so I always try to talk to the artist and then, but the first issue is always, to me, I feel like it's a, it's a long email to the artist that happens to have uh, a comic script in it so i'm writing it to that to them you know and it's like here's what i here's here's what i'm thinking here and like but if you have it and it's always like if you have a better idea you know let me know or run it by me or if, or if you just want to whatever it is it's don't don't ever treat the script like like uh the bible where you can't change a word or whatever you, you, you like treat it as really good suggestions or my best suggestion you know, and if you have, but don't turn your brain off and just draw it, like be thinking about it, you know, in a, in a, so a lot of it's, it's almost conversational, the first script, because I'm like talking to them, I'm throwing in tons of images, you know, reference and different things and, or I'll sketch things just to be like, here's what I'm thinking. But again, it's like, you're, you're the artist. So bring what you have to it, you know, to treat everything as like the starting point. Um, and then that's why the issue one for an artist I haven't worked with is the hardest or it takes the longest to write, you know, and then like working with Tyler Jenkins, like on Fear Case, those scripts are so fast because it's like, he knows me, I know him. It's like, mm -hmm. I'll throw in a few images. I'm like, here's what I'm thinking. He can just text me if he has a question. You know, we have such a shorthand at this point that um, it's just super easy and the writing is really quick. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, speaking of fear case, you know, I just wanted to touch on 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 that series over, with, you know, with Tyler over at Dark Horse, uh, your kind of supernatural police procedural, Secret yeah. Service procedural uh, book. Uh, you should mention it because the second issue is coming out the same day as Berserker and Eniac, yeah. <laughs> number one. Uh, you know, so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Uh, how have you convinced your friends and loved ones to celebrate uh, Mac Kent Day? <laughs> <laughs> I thought somebody said that last week. I was doing like a live stream this week and then somebody, I don't know who said it. Somebody said, it's like, it should be Mac Hint Day. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so yeah, I don't know. But it, yeah, there's there's probably like a, there's a 30% chance you're gonna buy a Mac Hint book on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Odds are good. <laughs> Something I did. Issue one of Fear Case, uh, one of the, main Secret Service agents is given a book and it's a novel by Philip Verve who is the author from your previous miniseries at Dark Horse Bang. Yeah. Was this just a you know inside nod for those of us who read your work or are you building your own sort of dark tower <laughs> uber world where all your stories exist? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been building it. I've been building this universe since Revolver at Vertigo. So Philip Verb shows up in that book. He's like the main villain in that book. And so he, if you go back and look at it, he's the same guy. And um, 
and he's just a he started out as like this archetype of like like my nemesis like in real life i'm like who like a like an amalgamation of of enemies i've had a, i've only had like i've had like two or three enemies in my life <laughs> i'll never say who they are but uh and i don't have enemies it's weird to have enemies i don't have i don't hate anybody mm-hmm. i just but uh but there's just anyway so he's was sort of a like a fictional version of like all of these perceived enemies <laughs> that I put into one and then uh and it seems like every book has a, every book has to have some sort of antagonist so I, it was easy to make him I'm like oh let's just i'll use him again like why why change it and uh and i'm trying to remember what the book was after revolver it was it was mind management so he shows up in mind management like halfway through he's the husband of the eraser and and uh and he's sort of was like the super gaslighter and like ruined her life and everything and uh and so he sort of comes and goes in the background in that series uh and then he's in department h which is after that and he's one of the guys at the beginning he's in the first issue as somebody that sends her down to investigate the the murder and uh and he wasn't totally bad in that one i'm not going to spoil department h but he wasn't all the way bad um, but my idea with that one was if you had been following these books, um, you wouldn't think that maybe he's the, oh, well, of course he's the villain. He's the one that did it, um, which may or may not be the case. And, uh, so then he, after that, he just started popping up and then in, in Bang, he finally, I feel like I wanted to make him a main character again. And so he's like the writer in that. And of course he's writing these books now that are showing up and everything else because, um, conceptually he's like a, a dimension hopping uh villain who and if you read revolver it makes sense he's living in two worlds and so in the one he's sort of manipulated events or he's gathered all this inf- information and he's giving it to himself in this other universe so that he can become this rich millionaire um and sort of capitalize on all that secret information and from the other universe um some ideas that he's still doing that and like every book i write he's somehow involved <laughs> which maybe i'm just crazy maybe i'm maybe i'm the villain something to think about but uh yeah <laughs> we, we love a multi good old-fashioned multiversal nexus being all yeah, right <laughs> yeah um you know do, generally do you feel like the past year you know has, has given you more time to write or are you writing you know do you feel like you're writing at the same pace that you always have yeah no i'm I'm definitely writing at the same pace but it's definitely giving me more time to just focus mm-hmm. you know like it used to be i would go to 10 to 12 conventions in a year and so um just travel time not just the convention so it's like three-day convention but then you have the day before and after the travel and then usually it's a day to recover after that because you're just tired of because of talking all day <laughs> every day and then uh and so like getting rid of that like i i figured out there was probably 50 days that i lost last year that was just straight up travel convention stuff and travel 50 or 60 days um so that's like two months worth of of work i could be doing you know if i just stayed home like this year <laughs> uh, against my will i stayed home and but then it gave me two months more of work so if i'm writing like if i can write uh that's like maybe two more series that wouldn't exist you know if i'd been traveling so, but i miss traveling like 
I want to get out of the house. Don't we all? <laughs> so, with all of this new work, I'd imagine that going back and revisiting past works and follow-ups, some of that might not be something you have as much time for, but any I won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but any chance for more folklords in the future? Because that ended with more no. to come, and it was a great book with a great hook. Yeah, no, it's, it's for sure. That was always intended to be book one of two. Um, and so Matt went, uh, had a, a chance to draw Hellboy, Hellboy series. So I was like, I'm not going to, here's a book two will be there when you're done. We'll come back and do it and everything. But you got to draw Hellboy. <laughs> I couldn't blame him. You know, it's just like a, I had a similar situation with Wilfredo on Bang because that's, we're doing more of it. But it's like, I didn't, uh, he had a chance. They asked him to do that Superman book yes. with Rob writing it. And I was like, Brad, I was like, it's 70 Superman. Like you, it's it's a, your perfect book. It couldn't have been more perfect for him. I was like, I, if you didn't do it, I would feel bad. So, so take the break, get that done, and then come back. We'll do more bang. You know, it'll always be here. Um, so yeah, folklords. There's definitely going to be a book too. It's that was just the first half. <laughs> it was meant to be a cliffhanger. So it's just a cliffhanger with a really long uh, hang. <laughs> We've you know. It, it it won't be worse than George R. R. Martin, so you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've I've got it all figured out. I, I... <laughs> uh, and how is uh, Cosmic Detective, the Kickstarter you did with Jeff Lemire and David Rubin, coming along? Yeah, no, it's good. Man, David is just a force of nature. Like he's been turning in pages. We just sent another big batch of pages, and he's almost done. So I think I think he's going to be done with all the pencils, inks um, by the end of the month. By end of March, and then things gotta go color it all and do lettering. Um, so it's it's the good bad is that like he's doing it all. So it's like it just looks amazing. The bad is that like he can't give somebody uh, colors while he's inking. <laughs> so, uh, but it's neat. You should follow definitely follow him on Instagram and and uh, because he he posts his process and everything. And he's I was looking at it the other day and like he'll sometimes color and then ink over the top. Uh, and it's just cool, like, to see his process and how he's finding a way to like be more efficient. You know, I feel like I'm always trying to refine my process and like, how can I be more efficient? You know, how can I get it done quicker without cutting corners? But then just change like the order I do things or the the process I'm doing. How can I adjust that so that uh, I get to the finish line quicker? And I think it's cool to see how people do that. Uh, yesterday, as we were recording, was the last day someone could pre-order the board game based on your series, Mind Management. Yeah. Are you yourself a big tabletop board game person? Or did you know the creators of the game come to you like, we read your comic, this is so cool, we have this idea for a game? Yes, both, both of those things happen. One is, I wish you could see my shelf over there, it's outside the room, but it's, we have like over, we have like 100 and maybe 130 board games. <laughs> nice. um, I'm a huge board game fan. And I, it, not forever, though. I think it was like three years ago. Um, 
Brian Hurt like drug me to Gen Con because he had a, a role-playing game thing based on Six Gun that was coming out. And I was like, oh, I'll take along. He needed somebody to just for, the, it was a long road trip. And I was like, I'll go. I don't care about games. I'll just work in the hotel. I got writing I can do. <laughs> uh, so I did that and I went there. And then uh, I was like, hey, I'll go. He had a badge. I was like, I'll go look at it, you know, because I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So when, as soon as I walk in, the first game I saw was this game called Cthulhu Wars, which is this, they're these giant uh, miniatures or whatever, but they're giant. Mm-hmm. And they're big plastic, they're brightly colored, and it's all these Cthulhu monsters. And I was like, what is that? Like, <laughs> that's a game? I was like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy that just because it looks so cool. I'll just, I can just take the pieces and put them out, and they're neat, you know. Uh, and so I, that's literally the first game I bought. And it was like 150 bucks, this giant box, all these giant figures. Um, and then I walked around the whole convention floor, and I was like, man, this is... There's so much I didn't realize what board games had become, you know, or what it's evolved into. You know, I knew I knew board games from my brother, and he played like Catan and and like all these other sort of like European-looking, real grand type games or whatever, which are fun, but they don't they don't look that they don't the art isn't really great, you know. Mm-hmm. No offense, to the the art's fine, you know. It's just like it doesn't appeal to me. Uh, but then that was years ago, and he would always. I would always go to his house and he'd try to convince me to play a game. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to learn more rules. There's too many rules and I just want to play. I don't own a video game machine. I just want to play your Xbox. <laughs> He's like, okay, we're going to play two games of this board game and then I'll let you play Xbox. So I would, he would always make me play. And then it was always fun, but it was like, I need to play. <laughs> I want to Xbox it. And then uh, as I got older, this is years ago. As I got older, then I finally got a PlayStation. I'm like, oh, okay, video games. I've had my fill. <laughs> uh, but then the, when I went to Gen Con that year, it was like three years ago, I was like, wow, this is, the art is great. The concepts are really cool. Like the, and then I started learning these games and playing them. And then, and then I had this realization. I don't know how much time we got. I'll go on and on about board games. You asked me. Exactly. uh, Go for it. (laughs) But uh, what I realized is, like, I go to so many comic book conventions, right? And I'm, I'm just on that this my side of the table, and I don't, and it's like the fandom part of it. I don't get anymore. Like, I'm, Mm -hmm. I don't really collect everything I get. I, I, I just either get them or a publisher gives them to me, or it's not like I seek them out anymore. They just like fall into my lap. Mm -hmm. But with board games, I was like, oh, this is. It's fun and the art's neat and then the I love seeing how games work, like the mechanics of it and how they've they've put story and mechanics together to make a thing that's fun. Um and so I just got obsessed with that. And I was like, this I can be a fan of this, you know, and I bought a bunch of games, brought them home, convinced everybody to start playing with, with me and everything, driving my family crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you got these are so fun, you love them. I know it looks crazy. I know there's like it seems like a lot of rules, but once we start playing, it's not so bad. And uh, so then, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I've been obsessed ever since. And then what's funny is like the next year I went, I um, ran into Jay and Sen, who designed the mind management board game um, through Brian, because they had known him and they were talking about doing something. And, and, uh, and then Jay was like, oh, I'm a huge, you did mind management? He knew about mind management. And, uh, I was like, you do board games? 
and then uh, it just it just happened you know we talked about it and then by then it, I'd been playing games for a year so I had ideas for a game mm-hmm. and I was pitching him all these ideas and and he's like those will never work those aren't you know <laughs> he, he was credit he tried a couple of them and he was like yeah yeah we play tested that it was terrible <laughs> and uh and so but eventually we, we settled on an idea that uh I felt like fit the story and then we could have fun with and everything and, and then uh and then uh and then the game came about but yeah it was because I was fans of their stuff and they were fans of mine and it worked out <laughs> next thing you know chocolate the peanut butter I know right <laughs> <laughs> So uh, as we begin to wind down, uh, one of our usual wind down segments is Pet Corner, where we talk to our guests about their pets. I couldn't find any information about your pets online, but I did see this photo of you on Twitter with a falcon. Uh, Are you big into falconry? If so, how does one get into falconry in the year of our Lord 2021? And if not, how does one find a falcon for such a photo? I don't know anything about Falcons. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember what city that was in. <laughs> it was we were traveling somewhere and then they had a thing a photo op where you could hold the Falcon and get your picture taken. So I was like, I gotta do that. <laughs> I just did that. Uh, but no, we do we have one I'm allergic to dogs and I'm allergic to cats. And so my daughter desperately wanted to have a pet and it's like we can't have anything. But we um uh we went to Hawaii when you're for vacation and my daughter, there's like little geckos all over the place, all over the place. And so she saw one time we were at a restaurant, it was licking some jelly out of this little jar or whatever they'd set out. And she just fell in love with geckos. So when we got back, I was like, let's get, get a gecko. You can have a gecko. That'll be our pet. So we have a pet gecko named Bob. Nice. Who's, uh, is We've had for years now. And uh, it's technically my daughter's pet, but it's, it's all of ours, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we didn't know, we don't know, the joke is we don't know when he was born, so every day is his birthday, so every day we're like, happy birthday, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but here's the irony, is like, I'm allergic to the other animals. Bob's the only one who, I'm the only one who will hold him or take him out, you know, cause, because uh, everybody loves Bob, and they like looking at him, but nobody wants to hold him. <laughs> so so I, the first time I, I, was, I got him out, and I'm, we're all kind of petting him and everything, he like ran up my arm and onto my back and I was like I couldn't reach him and then I was like somebody's got to help me and then was like I didn't really touch him at all I was like no he's on my back I can't reach him you <laughs> get him off uh, so anyway yeah Bob I think you're our first gecko <laughs> <laughs> good we should start keeping stats on that. So, yeah, yes. yeah. I want to see. I want to see what the stats are. On, I, I think I cats are winning. I was going to say if I had to guess with uh, comic book creators, I'd say cats. But. <laughs> we we did have we talked to somebody uh, just this morning who I thought was going to be a cat person turned out to have, have a dog. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's dangerous to guess, but. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, so, uh, what are you reading right now? What am I reading? Oh my gosh, not nothing but like history and research for comics. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last. I hate getting put on the spot because I did. What did I read recently? This year, one of my favorite books I read this year was the graphic novel adaptation of uh, what is it? The Kurt Slaughterhouse Five. Oh yeah, amazing. sure. Yeah, Ryan North's book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that book is just so good. 
Um, and then, oh, another one, Jeff Lemire uh, recommended The Highwaymen. It's Top Shelf published it. And then okay. I read that a few weeks ago and, and I was blown away by that. Mm -hmm. um, so those two books off the top of my head, I probably read like 10 books since then, but I don't remember what they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ones that stick that matter. Yeah, I know, That's right? True. There you go. But uh, yeah, so uh, final question, uh, how can people uh, follow you online and keep up with uh, everything you got going on? Oh yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, Matt Kent, and then uh, Instagram. I don't remember what I'm called there. I think it's Matt Kent for real. I messed up the account, so I had to make another one that says for real on it. And then uh, there might be some periods in there. Um, and then Facebook, I'm on Facebook, you can find me. I got a couple pages there. And uh, YouTube, follow my YouTube channel. <laughs> All right, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. But wait, there's slightly more. So, uh, gang, uh, if, you're, if you're paying attention, this is, uh, well, we're, we're classifying this as episode 150 of WMQ&A, which is a big deal. But also, it's not true. If you remember, last year, during the Diamond shutdown, we freaked out and stopped numbering episodes and just came up with a bunch of random pilots. Matt, do you remember we were briefly a New Gods podcast? <laughs> Yeah, we, we did we did an episode of that. We we did some, some animated discussions. We we did all sorts of stuff during the dark times. Yeah, we spun the fuck out of those wheels. So anyway, there's there are more episodes than that, but not enough for him to be bothered with like legacy numbering. <laughs> you know, like like um like we're a, a Marvel comic or something like that. But anyway, this is a hundred uh, episode one hundred and fifty. For all intents and purposes, uh, it's it's the Armin Tanzarian of numbering, um, but uh, to mark that occasion, uh, you know, besides besides having Matt Kent on, uh, Matt's got an announcement. So I'm going to shut up now. So uh, since we joined the Xavier Files Media Empire, uh, I've been you know going back and I'd been you know reading some of the stuff from all of our phenomenal fellow writers that I hadn't read and I started binge listening to God Emperor Zach Jenkins and other previous guests of the pod uh, Adam Rex Battle of the Atom podcast and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking as I listen boy there aren't that many superhero properties that have enough stories and enough diversity to do this format these you know three stories in this massive ranked list i mean the avengers didn't necess wouldn't necessarily work there's really that you know avengers and west coast avengers and some spotlights but you know you'd, you'd have to go into thor and cap and iron man the individual books um the justice league also tended to be fairly linear you know, you'd, you'd have Justice League of America, then you could do the, you know, the, the Dimitase and Giffen era, and then that era right after they left when you had those in Justice League Task Force and Extreme Justice, because it was the 90s, and you had to get Booster Gold in armor and edgy Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins. But then, of course, because I am me, and if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably listened before and have some vibe of who I am. My mind, of course, immediately went to Batman. And it occurs to me that there is absolutely the volume and variety of stories for Batman to do this sort of giant, sprawling, 
ranked list discussing three Batman stories a week kind of thing. So after, you know, talking to Dan and then talking to Zach and kind of realizing that, you know, unless this is Steve Allen, you're stealing my bit because everybody ranks stuff. Uh, Steve I Allen am, in this case being uh, <laughs> Chris Sims and Matt Wilson's every story yeah, ever list. That is true. <laughs> um, I have realized that it is time for me to start uh, my own ish podcast, the which is currently under the working title of Bat Chat with Matt, where every week or by week, I'm still sort of working on that. Uh, we will be discussing three Batman stories and putting them on a ranked list. Uh, very specifically, a sort of tentpole classic Batman story or major Batman story. And then one story pre-crisis and one story post-crisis that have some connection to that story. Uh, I... The uh, that sounds like an almost arbitrary divider since DC has rebooted how many times since the initial crisis, but 1985 actually does a nice job of splitting about 45 years up to that and 35 years after. So there is a decent amount of story on each side of it. And it also is roughly significant for Batman because you're right around the time of Dark Knight Returns, which is, for Batman, the dividing line between very specific visions of Batman. Uh, new episodes of the show will start dropping, Knockwood, uh, mid-April. Uh, I have various guests already lined up, including, of course, my co-host here, Dan. Uh, the first episode, though, will be uh, guest hosted by my uh, Comics XF co-writer on our weekly Batman columns, Will Nevin, where our tentpole story will be Batman Year One, which is a story that I know Will loves. Uh, every week, will at least out of the gate have a different co-host as I look to see if that format works and I'm going to you know, have to keep finding new people or I find somebody who I gel with and will become my regular co-host week in and week out and will have to tolerate my overzealous love of all things Batman. <laughs> Think of it like live with Regis after Kathy Lee left and you know, the auditions were on to find, uh, you know, Matt's out, Matt's out there looking for his Kelly Ripa right yeah. now. Yeah, or Jeopardy as it stands right now, where they've got two week stints of different guest hosts. I don't even know who it is right now, but I know pretty soon we're going to be getting my Bialik, Dr. Oz, and Dr. Sanjay Gupta. All doctors. I, I, I'm looking for my Ken Jennings because he, he, his span. It really worked for me, I'm, but I, this is not a Jeopardy podcast, so I won't go there. <laughs> I wonder if there is. There must be a Jeopardy podcast. Podcast where they just talk about episodes of Je mm, man. Uh, it, you know, you, Matt, it's probably somebody's fetish. <laughs> not going to yuck anybody's yum. Not around it, here. 
Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, you know, this is this is exciting. I, I'm I'm very happy that you're starting this. Um, don't leave me. Uh, <laughs> you're not getting rid of me anytime soon. And I don't know. I gotta edit both of them, so I'm good. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Um, so yeah. Thank you for for listening uh, to us for some measure of of 150 uh, or more. Uh, episodes and uh, you know we hope that you'll join uh, Matt on his uh, new journey and I can't wait to guest on his podcast and and show my ass about how little I actually know about bad stuff hey this is gonna be you know I will be giving you some interesting stories trust me that's all that's all I ask I, I really look forward to reading the story where the Joker talks about how we live in a society <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is now part of ComicsXF, formerly Xavier Files, meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Chris's on Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at ComicsXF.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at comicsxf.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel Spider-Woman series, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember to spay and neuter your good night and good luck. WMQA.